again, if you want to grab those with the QR code, they're available. They're also available on the website and on Faith Life. So um, if you don't want them, that's fine. They're just there, available to you. If you need help uh, navigating any of the technology for the church, the website, or Faith Life, please uh, talk to me, and uh, I will help you out with, with those things. Uh, Today we're talking about Jesus, Yahweh embodied, and we're going to hear, obey, in worship. Hear him, obey him, in worship. We're looking at Revelation chapter 1. No, I haven't made it out of chapter 1 yet, so turn to Revelation chapter 1. We are going to try to cover verses 4 through 20. Um, we'll see how that goes. There's a lot of information now, Yahweh, just for those who don't know, is God's personal name in the Old Testament. If you're in the Old Testament and you're reading and you come to the word Lord and all the letters are capitalized, that's the word Yahweh in Hebrew, okay? And sometimes they might use the word Adonai, which is another form of Lord, but not God's personal name, which is Yahweh. So the outline for Revelations, Jesus' outline for Revelation is to write what was seen, Revelation 9, 1, 9 through 20. Write what is, Revelations chapters 2 and 3, the seven churches, and what will be Jesus' judgment in the seven seals, trumpets, and bowls. This is uh, an outline for Revelation. This is the framework that I will be walking off of, I believe, that it's right there in the text, and that Jesus gave it to John, and if it's good enough for Jesus and John, then it's good enough for me. So today we're looking at Revelation 1, 4 through 20, the glorified Christ. And it's really communicating Yahweh embodied. So who is Jesus? He's Yahweh embodied. Okay? Jesus is God became flesh. Equality with God. But he emptied himself and became flesh. So does he deserve to be heard and worshipped, heard and obeyed in worship? I hope we say yes and amen to that. But sometimes I think that we're challenged whether or not to say yes to that because we have different priorities in our lives, and so we don't necessarily want to hear what he has to say or obey. And I would say that Jesus is preparing his credentials. That's really this what this is. It's the Jesus is saying, I am qualified to speak to the churches. I am qualified to speak of the things that are yet to come. And you will hear him say, hear what the Spirit has to say to you. And I encourage you today to hear and obey and receive the blessing that the Lord has for you. Revelation chapter, Revelation chapter 1 verse 4, John to the seven churches that are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits who are before his Throne. So here we have two phrases, and, and, uh, and we have grace and peace coming from two individuals, 
So who is grace and peace from in verse 4? First off, it's God, Yahweh, who is and who was and who is to come. Okay? This phrase, who is and who was and is to come, comes from and, and is alluding to the Septuagint. That's the Greek translation of the Old Testament. That's what most of the New Testament authors actually read. So the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Old Testament of Exodus 13, 14. And it says, I am the one who exists. And Moses said, thus you, oh, and, he sa- and God said, thus you will say to the children of Israel, the one who exists has sent me to you. It focuses on God's eternal nature of past, present, and future. And in our translation, and if we will go to look at that verse in all Bible, uh, off of a Hebrew manuscript, manuscript, the Masoretic text, if you want to be academic and sound smart when you're talking to somebody. Um, but that text says, you would say, I am, or I am sent me. That's what the Masoretic text and the Greek uh, translators thought that was lacking, and so they did it this way. Ego eimi would be the Greek. So, and then we have the seven spirits before the throne. So we have grace and peace from God, from Yahweh, who is and who was to come, the everlasting God. And I want you to pay attention to that. He, God is everlasting. He's preexistence. He's, he's past, present, and future. That's the nature of God, of Yahweh. He's presenting that in verse 4 here. And then he says, from the seven spirits before the throne, his throne, uh, that is a very uh, perplexing phrase, and there's a lot of different opinions. And if you want to know about that, come Wednesday night, because um, I'm going to go over that this Wednesday night, um, and how that interacts and plays with the seven churches. Verse 5, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings on the earth, to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood. So we have now grace and peace from Yahweh. We have grace and peace from excuse me, from seven spirits before the throne. And we're going to scratch our heads about that one tonight. And then we have grace and peace from who? Abby. Abby, who do we have grace and peace from? Can you say Jesus. Good job. Thank you. We have grace and peace from Jesus. Now, Jesus is the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of earth. So who is grace and peace from in verse 5? It's from, Abby, can you say Jesus? Jesus, yes. Jesus, the faithful witness. Now, you remember in the first sermon that I gave, I said that there were over 150 allusions to the Old Testament in Revelation, and that to understand Revelation, you needed to understand the Old Testament. You guys remember Any of you remember that? All right. Maybe some of you do, some of you don't. I'm just going to remind you that that's what it is. So today, as we go through each one of these things, we're going to draw from the Old Testament to begin to understand this terminology, this term of faithful witness. Well, it comes from Psalm 89. And actually, the whole psalm is a promise to David's line of Messiah um, by God. And here he says, 
uh, God says, I will not violate my covenant or alter the word that went forth from my lips. Once for all, I have sworn by my holiness, I will not lie to David. Of his offspring shall endure forever, his throne as long as the sun before me. Like the moon, it shall be established forever. A. What does it say right there? Anybody? A faith, faithful witness in the sky. He is the faithful witness. This is John saying, yes, he is the descendant of David. That's why they, in the Gospels, they list the genealogies. Everybody get bored with genealogies in the Gospels? Yeah? Well, they're listing those genealogies to prove that Jesus is a descendant of David. Okay? And he is that faithful witness to God's faithfulness. And to God's covenant with Israel, Jesus is the faithful witness. Jesus is the firstborn of the dead. Jesus is the ruler of the kings of the earth. Firstborn of the dead. Oh, that's an exciting one. The firstborn of the dead means that you will rise again. Right? Jesus is the first to rise. And if he's the first, then there must be more. Right? And we get to share in Jesus' resurrection. He's the ruler of kings on earth. He's the ruler of kings on earth. Psalm 89, 27 says, And I will make him the firstborn, the highest of the kings of the earth. You see, John is pulling from this passage of Psalms to, uh, to build who Jesus is. Jesus is is communicating these things to John. That Jesus is the anointed one. He is the Messiah. He has fulfilled the Old Testament promises that God made to Israel, that God made to David. That's what these are listed here for, because they're to trigger you. Yes, I remember that covenant. Yes, I remember that's what God had said. Jesus, the lover. He loves us. Wow. And he's freed us. And he's done it by his blood, by his death. That's what that means. He shed his blood for us so that we might live. Psalm 103, 7 through 8 says, and this is, you know, this is actually a beautiful psalm. I didn't have time to read the whole thing today, but if you have time, uh, you should read this psalm on a regular basis. Psalm 137 through 8 is such a beautiful psalm of dependence upon God. And it ends with verses 7 and 8. And this is what John, I think, is calling back into the Old Testament in that theology of redemption and the theology of shed blood and the theology of Sins forgiven and God's love for us. Oh, it's such a beautiful thing. Jesus is Yahweh embodied. He's taking all the aspects of God and putting him in the package of Jesus. 100% God, 100% man, and all love for you and me. 
O Israel. And you could, if you were reading this psalm for yourself, I would encourage you to just say, O me, <laughs> right? O Jedediah, <laughs> O Jedediah, hope in the Lord. For the Lord, with the Lord, there is steadfast love, or hesed in the Hebrew. It's that idea of covenantal love, unconditional love, steadfast love. And with him is plentiful redemption. And he will redeem Jedediah from all his iniquities. Beautiful, beautiful reality for every single one of us covered in the work of Christ. He is the lover. He is the freedom bringer by his blood. Walk in the freedom that he has given you because he is Yahweh embodied. Only Yahweh embodied could bring this kind of freedom and this kind of love to you. Revelation chapter 1, verse 6 in your Bibles says, And Jesus made us a kingdom of priests to his God and Father. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. A kingdom of priests to God and his Father. And Jesus is the kingdom and priest maker. The kingdom and priest maker. He's making you a kingdom part of a kingdom, the God's kingdom, to be kingdom-minded, and a priest, a servant of God, a, a mediator to God, to man, a, a, a voice for God. That is who he's making each of you. And the first kingdom of priests was from Exodus 19.6. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. We don't replace Israel, but we do. And we do join in God's purpose for Israel in being a kingdom of priests. So whose kingdom do we seek? Our kingdom? American kingdom? England's kingdom? We seek God's kingdom. And we're his priests. And we represent him. And that's what Jesus is making us into. He's a kingdom maker, a priest maker, because he's Yahweh embodied. Now we come to verse 8. And there's this interjection into verse 8. He says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and in whose to come, the Almighty. Remember verse 4? Right? That phrase is repeated here. Who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. And Alpha stands for the first letter of the Greek alphabet. Omega stands for the last letter of the Greek alphabet. And God is like saying, okay, where'd my water go? <sighs> Bob, can you look? I think it's sitting on the desk right in there. Oh, somebody? A uh, new one? Oh, brand new? Oh, man. Wow. Thank you so much.
God is saying, I am from A to Z, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, you see? That's what that expression is saying. There's nothing that compares, nothing that competes with him. So who is speaking in verse 8? Who's talking? It's kind of confusing, isn't it? But it's Yahweh. It's God talking. The Alpha and the Omega, the first or the beginning and the end, the, the one who is, who was, and who is to come. Isaiah 41, 4 says, Who has performed and done this, calling the generations from the beginning? I, Yahweh, the first and, the la- first and with the last, I am he. Yahweh, the Almighty. That's the next one. It's Yahweh, the Almighty. And when the Exodus talks about this, it says, God spoke to Moses and said, I am the Lord, or I am Yahweh. And I appeared to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob as the God Almighty, El Shaddai in the Hebrew. But my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. But, but my name, Yahweh, I did not make myself known to them. Yahweh, the Almighty. Then, in verses 12, John turned to see the voice that was speaking to him. And in turning, John saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstand, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a long robe, with a golden sash around his neck, his chest. Now, If you're artistic and you want to draw something for Revelation, you can do that. One of the kids in the church uh, drew this for me to have up on the slide for you to visualize how Jesus appeared to John in this Revelation. It's pretty intimidating, isn't it? Then I turned to see the voice that was, oh, I hit the wrong way on it and a sash around his chest. Jesus, the Son of Man. That's that first phrase. Where's the phrase, the Son of Man, come from? And our cue there is Daniel. It comes from Daniel. It's used other places, but mainly in Daniel. In Daniel 7, 13 through 14, it says, I saw in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heavens came one like a Son of Man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and kingdom that all peoples and nations and all language should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed. This is the Son of Man. This is Jesus, the ruler of the kings of earth. This is Yahweh embodied. He's clothed in a long robe. He's Jesus with a golden sash. And we come, that image comes from Daniel 10, 5 through 6. I lifted my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like beryl, his 
face the appearance of lightning, his eyes like flaming torches, his arms and legs like gleaming burnished bronze, and the sound of his words was the sound of a multitude. Revelation 14, 4 through 16, the hairs of his head were white like wool, like snow. His eyes were a flame of fire. We already had some of that description that we just read up in the previous one. His feet were like burnished bronze, refined in a furnace, and his voice was like the roar of many waters. So now, oh, in his right hand, he held seven stars. From the mouth came a sharp two-edged sword, and his face was like the sun shining in its full strength. We have now Jesus being described as the Ancient of Days in Daniel chapter 9. No, uh, 7. 7, 9, it says, And I looked, and thrones were placed, and the Ancient of Days, which is who? Who's the Ancient of Days? Anybody know? Well, no. He's being, he is Yahweh embodied, so in a sense, yes, but it's God. God is the Ancient of Days in Daniel chapter 9. God the Father, okay? And I looked, and thrones were placed, and God the Father, the Ancient of Days, took his seat. His clothing was white as snow, and the hair on his head was like pure wool. His throne, there were fiery flames, and its wheels, there were burning. So you see the comparison here of him having head as white as snow, I, uh, and like snow, it's, uh, John is just mixing and borrowing these terms to come up to a point. John says, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. But he laid his hand on me, saying, fear not, I am, what's he say there? I am the first and the last. I am A to C. I am Alpha and Omega. And the living one. I died, behold, I'm alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. Jesus died and he is alive, amen? He died on the cross for our sins and he rose again on the third day. And Romans totally conforms this, Romans 14, 9. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be both Lord of the dead and of the living. Both Lord of the dead and of the living. And that speaks to the keys that he has in his hands of death and of Hades. And not this Wednesday, but on a Wednesday, we will talk about uh the keys of death and Hades, okay? We're, we'll talk about, we're doing a more expanded section on the what's all meant by that. So we have Yahweh embodied, Jesus Yahweh embodied. He said, I am the first and the last. I am Alpha and Omega. I'm the A to Z. He's, he's quoting this place where it says, who has performed this? And uh, Isaiah 41.4, who has performed and who has done this? Calling the generations, the beginning, I, the, well, I, Yahweh, the first and the last, I am he. This, he's 
equality with Yahweh. Jesus, 100% man, 100% God, very clearly being communicated in the first chapter of Revelation. Yahweh embodied. So I ask you this again. Who is Jesus? Jesus is Yahweh embodied. He's Yahweh embodied to bring saving grace to every single one of us. It's the only way that he wanted to do it and chose to do it. So let us hear and obey him, not out of fear, not out of duty, but in worship. To worship him in all obedience. To worship him as we hear. And this will be a phrase as we go through Revelation. Let the one who has ears hear what? The Spirit has to say. So are you willing to hear what God has to say? Because it's Jesus, Yahweh embodied. He's the first and the last. He's the faithful witness. He's the ruler of the kings of the Lord. He died and now he lives again and he brings that life to you and me. So let us hear and obey him in worship. Let us pray. Father God, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you, Jesus, that you've revealed yourself in so many ways. And that there are so many threads to pull in this passage. And I don't have time to do them all. But we thank you that you are in each and every single one. Walking in us. And that you are God embodied. Yahweh embodied. Coming to us. To save us. To redeem us. And call us your own. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen.